Hey there, welcome to the Rim Church Podcast. We're so glad you found us. The Rim Church is based in San Antonio, Texas, and we believe in loving Jesus, building family, and changing the world. Wherever you find yourself today, we trust that it is not by accident that you're listening to this message, and we believe that God has something to speak to you right where you are. For more information on what we're all about, go ahead and visit us at therim.church or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, I, I enjoy um, visiting art museums. Anybody enjoy visiting art museums? All right, I, I see that, Casey. Uh, there's a couple. Uh, just show hands. You don't have to be bashful. Like, that's not like few art museum people. Like, I, I've had the opportunity to travel, seeing the, the great museums in, in Paris and Italy and Greece and, you know, things like the San Antonio Museum of Art. I mean, they're all beautiful and the same. And so uh, when, when you go to art, and I, uh, the first time I, I actually went to a museum was like an art museum was the Louvre, and somebody took me there by force. They, they pretty much just kidnapped me and said, we're going to go look at the Louvre. And uh, the Louvre is where like the Mona Lisa is. Um, the, like in, it's where all the great works are. For those of you who, who like uh, watch the Da Vinci Code, like that's your, your, that was like from the nine. I don't even remember when the Da Vinci Code came out. It was a long time ago, inverted pyramid, that kind of stuff. But, but in this space... When, you, when I go to an art museum, I don't actually understand art. Can I just confess that? Anybody else go to an art museum and not actually understand art? Okay, good. I'm not alone. Um, and so, so here, here's what typically happens. Um, I usually walk up and I've got a map. Uh, we were just in uh, Washington, D.C. in the Smithsonian's, the Museum of the Art, uh, the National Art Museum, and I've kind of got this pamphlet, and I'm looking at this like 20 foot by 10 foot uh, a piece of work here. I, it's, it's a collage. And uh, I'm reading on the pamphlet what this piece of art is. And as I sit there, there's a couple things that I, I typically do in an art museum. First, I walk up and I feel like, okay, I don't understand this, but I really want to. And there's like this piece of, um, hey, everybody else is staring at this art like they get it. I just don't. And so the trick is, is I've learned, this is my tactic, you go to an art museum, you come up and you stand by somebody who is getting it and is in awe and moved by the art, um, and you stand up and you cross your arms like this, and you go, hmm, man, it's so, it's so beautiful. And you, you just stand there for a while, like, and you can plan out your day, you can think about what you're having for dinner, you can do all these other things, but if you stand in there long enough, and just nod your head. You just, ah, yeah. And then you move on to the next one in the next space. And, 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 and as you sit there, you go like, there's a strategy of going like, man, I just kind of feel embarrassed. Uh, I kind of figured out a way to, to figure around it. And uh, yeah, that's how I enjoy art museums. And, and as I was thinking about that, there's a lot of times that the, the person of the Holy Spirit is like an art museum for many of us. It's a piece of art. Where when we're like, man, we, we're not really sure how to interact with it. And so we kind of walk up and we show up and we just kind of go, yeah, he's supposed to do something. He's supposed to be here. I'll just sit here in this posture and fit in. And this morning, I want to just take a look at this idea that the, the kind of the third part of the Trinity, the most mysterious and the most active part of the Trinity in our life is wanting to do more than just make you feel embarrassed or ashamed that you don't understand him because uh, I, I just, there's, there's not a human that can comprehend him. And he's wanting to do more than you just have to pretend and sit in silence. 
In Acts chapter 1 is when, when Jesus gives the Holy Spirit. He literally goes, I'm leaving and the Holy Spirit's coming. Um, and, and to see this, though, to understand who the Holy Spirit is, we actually have to go back to the beginning of time. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, now the earth was formless and empty. Uh, another word for that was saying it was chaotic. There was nothing. And as the world was formless and empty, darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So, so get this, there's, there's nothingness out there, and yet we find in Genesis the Spirit of God was hovering over the nothingness, the, the chaos that was out there. And so we, we look at this, and it keeps going. It goes, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and then God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and then there was morning, and there was one day. So the, this, this picture of, like, in the beginning of creation, that there was, there's three parts of our Godhead, the Trinity. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. But the, this third part of it, the Spirit of God is hovering over. And when God speaks, literally the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is what fashions something out of the nothingness. Literally, if you, you're like, okay, so what, what is it? It's literally the Hebrew term called rush. It's a fun word to say. So like just spit on the person in front of you and say that like rush. You got to get a little spit action going on to get it. But if you'll, if you'll do this for me, all right, you, you were going to enjoy that. You were going to spit on me. I felt it. Um, that would be some major trajectory if you got this far, but it was impressive. All right, so, so here's the deal. If you'll hold your hand up real quick in front of your mouth and go and just take a deep breath in and breathe out. The Hebrew word rush is the same word for breath and force and power, might. The, the, the Hebrew word didn't have a context for wind, breath, force, this, this creating thing. It was, it was literally this word rush. And so what is the Holy Spirit? It is literally the breath and the force of God acting in creation. And so you see this, especially when like, you look at Genesis chapter 2, where God fashions Adam out of dirt. All right, so first man, God takes dirt, folds it, molds it together like a kid on the beach making a, a sandcastle, like fashions man, and then he breathes down and he breathes life into his lungs, and it brings Adam to life. So it's this picture of the Holy Spirit that he breathes life into things that are, that are nothing, that is chaos and it's dark, and he makes new things come out of them. So the Holy Spirit is this, this picture of rush. And so the Holy Spirit covers every square inch. Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your presence? The heavens or the depths, you are there. This is not just a geographical thing. This is also a physical and time thing. So the, the Holy Spirit, like, is, is in, in the bedroom, like, on the cool side of the pillow, and he's in the conference room, right? So, like, wherever you go, he's there. But also... When you process the pain of your past, he's, he covers the past. When you're dreaming about possibilities of the future, he's already in the future. And then when you sit in this moment right here, right now, he, he literally is, is allowing you and helping you to interpret the words that are being said to process in this moment. But not only does he cover every square inch, he has the authority and power over every part of creation. Psalm 46 would go, nations are in uproar and kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. That literally he causes like 
when, when the United States broke off from Great Britain, he allowed that to happen. Uh, that was a long time ago. Any Brits in the room, sorry if you got offended at that, but like, we became America. It was beautiful in this space. But even this aspect, when we show up to a gathering like this, right, it's not the words of a song or the words of a, of a, of a quick talk that have power. Right? No one in this room on this stage could be articulate enough or smart enough to have the power to take what is chaotic in your life and breathe life into it. So as you're hearing right now, the Holy Spirit like, breaks all, all aspects of our understanding. It is literally taking words from my mouth, the things re- you're reading in Scripture, and He's using them as a powerful tool in your life. How does that happen? Scripture would go that, that God has the authority and the power over everything from the words that we speak to kingdoms and rulers and to nations. But this purpose of the Holy Spirit, and we talked about this earlier, is the Holy Spirit always creates new out of the chaos. So Isaiah 43 is, behold, I'm, I'm doing a, a new thing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul would write to the church and he goes, behold, I, I'm making a, a new creation out of you. So that literally in all of the chaos and all of the darkness and all of the formlessness, all of the evil in the world, that the Holy Spirit is, is presently active. He has both the authority and the geographical power to cover every space. And he goes, hey, I want to bring new out of the chaos. And so what he actually does in, in all of this space is he really does three things. He brings order, he establishes purpose, and he sustains the life of his creation. Um, I, I don't know... Uh, I, does anybody have that friend that sends you like reels on, I think it's called the gram now, like Instagram, like gram, is that popular, is it, Mindy, is that correct? Thank you, Sam, the gram, right here, that's her, all right, so if that person's in the room, go ahead and call them out, all right, so I get, I get a, I'm not, uh, where's Matt Swallow, Matt Swallow's our kids person, Matt Swallow sends me about 16 reels a week on gram, on the gram, and uh, he texts them to me. He doesn't message them to me. He texts them to me, which is fascinating. And so I have to actually get on and watch it. And so uh, one of the ones that got so- uh, sent to me this last week was like this, this picture of a sailor, like an a old-timey Revolutionary War, like tri-point hat, walking along the ship. And as he's walking along the ship, I'm sure it was from some movie, like Literally, bombs and cannons are being shot off, and the, the, the ship is getting blown apart. Uh, and the guy's just kind of like walking very stoically as like guns are flying, and he's just dead staring. Like most of us, when we're honest, that's really how life feels like is like we're walking, like this ship is going down. I hope I make it. This ship is going down. I hope I make it. Please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. This has got to get better. And in that space, the chaos of our life. Every single moment of every single day, the Holy Spirit in you is wanting to do a new thing. And as he does that new thing, he's establishing both his purpose and he's sustaining every part of you. So what does it mean that he brings order to the chaos? Well, in creation, he actually fashioned something that was a beautiful, 
world, universes and galaxies. Then when he goes, he made man and he put man in there and, 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 and watch this as he creates order in the chaos. He brings life into Adam, the dust, the, just the, the, the waste, if you will, the ground, the dirt. He brings life into him. But then in 1 Corinthians, we find that Paul would write, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify your God with your body, meaning this, that the way that he brings order into chaos is not to dictate words, but to be actively present in the middle of the chaos. So with Adam, he had to breathe life into him. In, in the New Testament, we find that he actually goes, hey, I don't just want to be a God who died on a cross for you. I want to be a God who literally lives inside of you. Literally, it was a picture of full communion with him. And so we see that as, as he, he looks at bringing order into chaos, we have to understand why this was so critical to, like, Jesus standing on a mountainside with his disciples after he's already died, after he's already been resurrected. He goes, hey, stay here. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And we go back to, like, beginning of time, Adam and Eve, like, when sin and evil enter the world, everything was good and right. God had made a beautiful creation. Sin and evil enter the world. Everything breaks, and like our minds can't comprehend how bad sin permeated and broke everything that was good and right. And so in this space, from, from the time of Genesis 3, God actually goes, hey, I actually want to fix that, and I want to bring my creation. The best way to see this is like a dad who wants to bring his sons and his daughters back home, but not just his sons and his daughters. All that he made, he wants to restore back into this, this communion with him. And so he makes, a, he makes a deal. He goes to a guy by the name of Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. He says, hey, Abraham, here's the deal. The world is jacked up. There's evil. There's death. There's struggle. Like, you and your wife can't even have kids. Like, you, you, you've moved, I'm going to move you from your homeland. You're going to have no community. You have to figure that out and build a new community. Like, there's evil in this space. And he goes, but here's the deal. If you'll be like my servant, love me with all your heart, follow everything that I say, then guess what? I'm going to bless you, and all the nations of the earth can be blessed through you. And so we go from the space, and, and the entire Old Testament is God actually renewing this agreement with mankind, and mankind actually going like, okay, God, yes, yes, yes. And like two days later going, hey, God, uh, I think we got this. We don't need you anymore. And us trying to, like, control and to take over, uh, we actually just mess things up worse. And so at this moment, we've actually broken the agreement with God. And God goes, hey, I want them back home. But something's got to be done about this, like, you keep breaking the promise. You keep breaking your side of the agreement, the covenant. And so God actually comes down in the form of a man, dies, rises again, named Jesus, rises again to literally pay the, what we call the penalty from breaking the agreement, and he makes a new agreement. And here's why this is critical. Jesus' death and resurrection takes the power out of evil, but it doesn't remove the presence of evil in the world. 
And so the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes and he goes, hey, look, I've made it possible for you to actually commune with God and to have a way into salvation. It was only through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But I want to make all things new and we're literally going to restore everything that was broken back into your good and perfect will. The way that he was going to do that was send the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and to eradicate all of the chaos from our heart. So the, the, the piece of how he brings order to the chaos of our lives was actually to just be present in us, to take care of the, the problem that we broke in the covenant, and he makes a new agreement. And he goes, hey, look, I'm going to adopt you as sons and daughters. You're going to break the agreement, but I fixed the agreement because I'm actually just going to live inside of you and give you both the power and the authority, the anointing to be my child. So that when I look at you and when we mess up and when there's chaos in our world, he goes, no, 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 that's my son. You're, you're going to mess it up. It's okay. The Holy Spirit inside of, inside of you is, is telling me you are my son and all is good. And so in this space, we look at that he creates the order of the chaos. And his message to us is that in the middle of all of our sin, in the middle of all of our struggle, in the middle of all the pain in the world, everything around us says, hold on and squeeze tighter. And the message that Jesus is telling his disciples, and that's been the message of the gospel, from, from Genesis 1 to the book of the end, Revelation chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 21 and 22, look at this space and you go, he's going to make all things new, but I have to learn to let go of it. I have to learn to let go of controlling, trying to control the chaos in my world. I have to actually let go of just doing 16 different things to eradicate the sin in my life. I've got to, I've got to let go of trying to, to organize the things that are outside of my control and actually go, Lord, I'm going to play life on your terms. And in this space, my, um, I have an incredible father-in-law. Anybody have a good father-in-law? A couple of you. All right, all right, a couple of you. Um, my father-in-law's name is Gary, all right? So whatever, uh, whatever you think Gary looks like is probably correct. And so Gary, Gary's pretty handy. Um, he's not cheap. He's frugal, okay? And so um, in this space, and, uh, and so Gary had this old, I met Lauren, uh, a long time ago, he had this like 20-year-old Honda Accord that was baby blue. Uh, the type where like when it came out, the cassette tape was a modern invention, uh, and it still had like the long radio antenna on the back. Some of you have no idea what that looks like, but it had this long radio antenna on the back. And there's this thing, this car had like 300,000 miles on it, and Gary was still riding it to work. And there was nothing in that car that duct tape could not fix. All right, so a little glue, little duct tape. We could put the antenna back together. You could actually wrap duct tape around the steering wheel. It'd keep the column in order. Uh, like the door, the windows, like, and it had the old-timey windows where you just, like, roll them down. So, like, man, you put a little glue in that thing. It'll keep the windows shut because the window kept sliding down. And so he'd, he'd ride this thing. And, well, one day um, I, I had a 2000 Ford Explorer. It was white. It's my first car. It was incredible. Uh, and so um, my electronic locks and my door stopped working. I had electronic locks, like he had a cassette tape with a handshield, like wind thing. So he comes to me and he goes, hey, Brad, I can fix that for you. 
well, like, I really want to marry his daughter. And like in a month, I'm going to ask him if I can do that. So like, I'm in a tough spot here. I say, sure, sure. Why don't, why don't you fix the electronic locks in my door? And so uh, he pops the entire door panel off. And uh, he starts to rewire the electronic locks, the window to like let the window down, lock the door and that kind of stuff. And goes, hey, I've got them working. It's fixed. I just got to put this door panel back on. Well, I don't know if you've ever like, if you're not a car person and you rip the card, like the card door off, the chances are you're going to snap about 15 things that actually hold that car door together. And Gary, uh, being my wonderful future and father-in-law, had snapped about 14 of those 15 things off. And so he goes, hey, no sweat. We'll just, we'll just get some duct tape. <laughs> and we'll duct tape this door back on. For most of us, we're trying to duct tape the old broken things of our life together. And then we'll go to a friend and a friend will go, hey, if you'll just do X, Y, and Z, you'll get through it. In a relationship, like you just need to do X, Y, and Z and it's going to make it better. We'll, we'll go like whatever it is. We'll go read a book to fix our boss. We'll go do all these things. And the Holy Spirit is going, hey, wait, I actually want to do a new thing, but I need you to let go of trying to fix it yourself. And so in this space of letting go, he actually creates a purpose. And in this purpose of letting go, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, in him, the whole building, talking about the church, not as, a, not as an actual gym, but as a people being built together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. That right now, in our willingness to let go and allow the Holy Spirit to do a new thing and the things that we're trying to duct tape back together, he's going, I want to actually give you purpose for the struggle that you're walking through right now. I actually want to give you a hope, and I, will actually, I actually want to do something that's deeper and greater for your, than your mind can comprehend if you'll let go and speak a purpose. Like What God is talking about right here in Ephesians chapter 2 is that, that God is actually taking people from all of creation, and he's actually building people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different countries, different ethnicities, and they're all followers of Jesus. And he's saying, hey, I actually want to build them into one unified thing where my presence dwells and they commune with me and they walk with me and they get to experience the fullness of me. And so when we look at what is the Holy Spirit's purpose, it is actually to make something new out of you and all of creation and to reconcile everything that was broken. And in this space... He goes, hey, in order to do that, I'm going to actually fight for you and work in you. That I'm, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 would go that he would both seal you and be the down payment of your inheritance. That he would anoint your identity, which means would give you access like a king. In 1 John, he, go, uh, he would anoint your head with oil, literally for the fact that you would get access as a future heir of the kingdom. And at the same time, that, that anointing on your life would be a healing ointment. That it would make your, your heart and soul so slippery that when, like if you were to douse somebody with oil, a shepherd dousing a, a sheep with oil would both heal 
but it would also make it slippery for, for bugs and animals to grab onto the sheep. And so literally the Holy Spirit in you right now is anointing you both as an heir, but also to make you slippery from the evil trials of the devil. The same sense, he's both counseling and comforting you. He is both gifting you with, with unique, like, superpowers, spiritual superpowers from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians 4, but he's also the strength that takes those powers from just being, like, something that you have to doing something supernatural, which is Ephesians chapter 3. He is both fighting for you that at this very moment, Satan is trying to tear at the very fabric of who you are. He is trying to create chaos and the Holy Spirit's fighting for you. You can't even see it. He's also defending you right now from where people would come to attack you. And in this same space, he convicts and he consumes because for the Holy Spirit to bring something new, he wants to take every square inch of your heart Like, he wants all of it. And in this space, it's not that the Holy Spirit is doing one of those things. When he shows up, he's doing all of those things all at the same time. And he's not just doing it for two or three people or the elect uh, uh, people sitting in this section. But he's doing it for all of those who are followers of him. So at the same moment, he's both a warm blanket. And he's also an army fighting for you. And in this space, we go, okay, so the Lord is doing that for me, but he's creating purpose. He doesn't just want to get you home. He wants all of creation back into relationship with him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we go, okay, so the Holy Spirit in me gives me a ministry. Literally, Paul would go, you have the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile everything that was broken. And so if you're, you're looking for purpose in life, like you know, we... Lot, lots of people in transition in this season. You go like, I, I, want, I want to be a part of something bigger. That, that desire is not about a job that's better. That job is something about eternal. You want your life to count. God wove that. The Holy Spirit put that in you. And that ministry is the ministry of reconciliation so that whatever job you walk into, whatever relationships you're walking in, whatever struggle you're in, that God actually, the Holy Spirit through you is wanting you to be a part of reconciling all of creation back to him. Which means that as he flings us into very difficult situations, as we walk through uh, very hard relational things that God is actually wanting to restore and to use you to be his active agent, the Holy Spirit in you, to reconcile things that are broken. And so we walk into very tough places knowing that the Holy Spirit has placed us there to do a new thing in that place. Abraham Kuyper, I think we, the quote's on the um, screen so there's not a square inch in the whole, of domain, the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry. That is mine. So the question that as we, we just process this morning is, are there spaces in your heart that you have not given the Holy Spirit permission to go? Whether it's work, whether it's a like struggle in a relationship, not having a relationship, whether it's children, whether it's job, whether it's f- like finances, like we, like is there a space 
where we've said, hey, God, you can't go there. Second side of that is there a space that God's invited us to that we've been unwilling to go? So as we look at the Holy Spirit coming to do a work in us, he's also wanting to invite us to do a work with him. And so he, as we step into purpose, he both sustains, he both creates the order and the chaos. He creates the purpose, but he also sustains life. That in all of our doing, like in the middle of the chaos of our life right now, and like, it, let's just let's be honest. I don't know a person in this room that doesn't have something that is chaotic in your heart right now. And the chaos, he's literally hovering over the chaos. And as you are holding on by a thread, he's going, hey, you actually can let go of that. I'll take care of you and I'll take care of the chaos. And so he's going, I want to sustain. I want to give you life. I want to give you rest. I want to give you endurance. I want to give you strength. As I work this right here to my good and to my pleasure to restore everything that is broken, he goes, I want to sustain you in the middle of it. So what does he, what does he do? And, and, and typically when we feel called and, and, and we wrestle with the conviction of like, okay, man, I haven't let go of something or God's invited me to walk into a very difficult place and I haven't wanted to go there. The first thing that usually sets in is, is shame. In Romans chapter 8, Paul would, Paul would hit this head on and Romans 8 is one of the most loaded chapters in scripture of going okay when shame creeps in typically what follows is that we begin to go okay I'm not sure I really am like I have the Holy Spirit so we, we begin to doubt everything that is good everything that God is doing in our heart and what, what God goes in Romans chapter 8 is whoa, whoa, whoa the Holy Spirit inside of you is testifying for you that you are a son and a daughter of God. So even when you don't feel like it in this moment, the Holy Spirit is going, no, 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 no. You, you are son, you are daughter. Nothing can change that. Like it just, you can't break it. That's why the Holy Spirit's inside of you so that it became impossible for you to mess up this beautiful communion with the Lord. And so we go, we walk into shame and the Holy Spirit goes, no, there is no shame here. There's a beauty and an invitation to let me, to let me work. So this morning as you, you process and you wrestle and you go, man, I need to do this and I need to do that and I've got to be better at these things. Those are like, uh, I love what Caesar Kalinowski goes like, uh, th there are no shouldn'ts in Scripture or should'ves in Scripture. In most of our life we live like, I should have done that or I should not have done that. And the Holy Spirit is going, no, 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 no. I'm working in you. You'll, you'll open up. There is no shame here because you're a son and a daughter. The second thing that we go is he sustains life. And this, this hits us. We're, we're like walking and everything is on a spiritual high. And then all of a sudden, like, it feels like the Holy Spirit is silent. Anybody else ever been there? Like, God's not speaking? I'm the only one? Okay, perfect. Um, well, I'll tell you my own journey of like sitting with Jesus and like going, I'm reading your word and getting nothing. I'm in community and I'm getting nothing. I'm, I'm in, I'm living out your mission and purpose and there's nothing. And so silence steps, like creeps in and it furthers doubt. 
Like, okay, God, where are you? I feel like I'm on an island alone, and here's what you can always guarantee. It's impossible for the Holy Spirit to leave you. Typically, when he's silent, he's walked a little bit deeper into the forest and said, I have something that's more beautiful. Will you come with me? Will you, will you come into a little bit more sacred intimacy with me? That God's silence is always an invitation to press in and to sit with him. The guilty that I, the, like, what I'm so often guilty of is going, God, you were silent in the 20 minutes I sat with you. And God was saying, no, 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 no. I didn't want 20 minutes. I wanted all of you. And so as we work in this space of the Holy Spirit, it's like, I'm not hearing anything. Are we willing to take another step in? Are we willing to press in, go a little bit deeper, want a little bit more, that, to the point where we are, we are obsessed with being with him? These are not his only tools, but often we look at silence and suffering as if God has left us. When if he is most powerful and he has the authority over everything, he has the power to use what feels like suffering and silence as an invitation to know him. The final thing that we go and he, he sustains life, the things that we must wrestle with, is there's this, this, this great passage of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 that goes, uh, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And you go, okay, how do I grieve the Holy Spirit of God? And we go, okay, I can't, like, I can't break his promise, I can't move anything, but how do I grieve him? It's when he invites me to step in, and I, I do the great stiff arm and say, no, Jesus, I've got it. And when I say I've got it, like just being real honest, there's no good that's going to come from it. Like it, it may feel good for a moment. It may, may have duct taped the situation. May have, like, we may have put the, the things back, the relationship back together for just like to hold on for a second. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. I need you to get out of the way so that I can do a new thing. It's the way that he sustains us is by walking us into a deeper intimacy with him and going, hey, there is no shame. There's sonship here. You can't change that. But then also, as you're walking in sonship, if, if you'll step back and let me show up and do, do me, all of me, you'll find more life, more beauty. That the way that you live a life full of purpose is not by going, okay, I've got to figure out how I'm going to get to here by 40, and I've got a job to here, and that, you know what, I've got to get married, I've got to find a relationship at this point, and if I have kids, and this, I'll live the dream life. No, the, the dream life is going, I don't have to, because the king of the universe has invited me in to just die to myself. I love... Uh, um, if you haven't met Pastor Austin, I think most of you know Pastor Austin. Um, he's a tough guy, like, not to sit with and, and just go, like, feel Jesus through him. Anybody ever sat with Pastor Austin had that feeling of, like, man, Jesus is at work in you. Like, right? Like, so, like, I, and that's not just for Pastor Austin. Like, that's, that's what God's invited all of us to. So he's not, like, a superhero Christian, although I think he's pretty super myself, like, uh, in this space. And you go, he sat, we were sitting this week, and we were talking, and we go, he made this statement. Uh, he said, God does not need your help, but your death. 
And I think the invitation this morning to the Holy Spirit is to go, God, you don't need me. But you invited me to die to myself so that you could do something new through me. So as a church, and I, uh, I'm not, definitely not good enough, skilled enough, smart enough to move the heart of people. That we as a people are, are walking where there's both, feels like chaos, like, you know, our, our church has been in transition for, for a season and going like, okay, what's going to happen here? There are in deep conversations where like relationships in, in this room are, are broken, fractured, wrestling, parents wrestling, with, I don't know how to do this with my kids. Jobs going, jobs feel like a dead end at this moment. Like if we can admit that the chaos is actually deep and the, whether the, we feel like it's shallow or we feel like, man, the world is falling apart, whatever that is, to go, I want God, I want the Holy Spirit to invade into a new thing. Which means, I know that means I've got to, he's invited me to die. Die to myself, what I want, my way. And in that dying, find life. So the, the custom of our, our church is that uh, after the reading of God's word and, and sharing, we, we usually take about 120 seconds and we just go, Lord, what are what are you saying and what do I need to do about it? This morning, I, I, I want to I do something that's maybe a little different. So going to take 120 seconds. Um, but I, I'm going to ask that if, if there's chaos going on in your life, and it, it could be, I don't, you, cannot, you may not be able to put words to it. It's okay. And you're willing to go, I, I want God to do a new thing in the middle of the chaos in my life. I need him to breathe life. Like, I'm, I'm going to ask that in the next 120 seconds, you just, you just stand up. As an act of going, Lord, I, I can't do it. I admit it. I want it. I want you to do a new thing. The second thing that's super cool is that the Holy Spirit in this room, where there's not going chaos, he's, he's speaking through some of you to reconcile with others. But he's also going to get some of you to stand up in this room and go over to somebody else and go, I don't know why God told me to say this to you, but I want to speak words of life into you. So we're just going to pray together. Like, may, may the Lord of Ephesians 2 build us up. May he do a new work and a new thing in all of us, which we know will lead to the death of us. And as, as we're willing to die, something beautiful is going to happen. Restoration and reconciliation of all things. Purpose. So I'm going to pray for us. You're going to take 120 seconds. And then if you go, hey, I, I just, I need to stand before the Lord. There's chaos and what I want to surrender it. Some of you are going to get up and you're going to be able to go pray with those who are wrestling and you're not even going to know what's going on. So you take two minutes to sit with the Lord. And then we'll respond by standing and praying together. 
and in worship. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that today's message resonated with you. It's our hope that you wouldn't be merely inspired, but that you would actually be transformed by something you heard today. At the Rim Church, we always ask two questions when processing God's word. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? We encourage you to take a moment, reflect, and then to share with a friend or send us a message. We'd love to hear what God is teaching you and how we can help you take your next step in obedience. Until we meet again, we love you, church.